I'm excited that I get to talk to you again. Hopefully you're excited that I get to talk to you again. And um, I'm super pumped about the new series that we're doing on, on hope. And um, I'm praying that it's going to uh, help you tremendously um, as we jump into all of this. Um, we just love you guys so much and uh, can't wait to see some of you. Thank you for those that rang me this week and said, hello, how are you doing? Really appreciated that. And I hope we're all doing that with each other. Um, best thing we can do is stay connected with one another through this season. And so, like I said, uh, we're starting a series uh, today on hope. And um, it's such an important thing right now, I think. I think we're living in a, in a time and a moment and a season where hope is disappearing out of people's lives. And I think that having hope is so, so important. And so over the next three to four weeks, we're just going to talk about how, how we can get that hope uh, anchored in us again. Or if you've lost it, you can get it back. And if you've got it, how you can strengthen it. And so we're just so excited about that. And we're going to get straight into it today. And that's in Proverbs 13, verse 12. You've probably heard this a lot if you've been in church or if you've been a Christian for a decent amount of time. But it says here, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when dreams come true, there is life and joy. Hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. So what, what, what's hope deferred? Well, it literally means there that hope deferred basically means an unrelenting disappointment. It's when you just have disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. In other words, everything you've hoped for, everything you dream for just seems to never, ever happen. It's just one disappointment after another. Every job you've applied for, you don't seem to get. Or every situation, you go, it just one thing after another, after another. It's just unrelenting disappointment. That's what hope deferred is. But hope literally is a combination of desire and anticipation. Hope is something that every single person builds up to or has on Christmas morning. Most people have a desire of what gift they want. And, and if they're smart enough, they're going to communicate that to everybody that loves them, hoping that somebody's going to go, oh, that's what I'll get them for Christmas. And so there's this desire that begins, and then there's this anticipation that as I start to open the gifts that have been given to me, that my desire is going to come true. That's what hope does. It's this desire mixed with anticipation, and, and, and it's really giving us something to look forward to. And I believe we should always have something to look forward to. I want you to know this this morning, Revive, that we have something to look forward to. God has plans and purposes for our church. God has plans and purposes for your life, and it ain't finished yet. It may look like how's life ever going to be normal again, but God gave a vision to people that planted this church, to people that brought this land, to people that built this building. He gave us a vision in, in 2020 of 10 locations in 15 years. And that vision, that dream, that hope, that purpose that God had doesn't change just because there's a pandemic. God's still got a plan. He knew that this was coming and God's got a plan. God knew that you were going to go through what you're going through right now. And he still prophesied over you and gave you words and told you about the things that he has planned for you. I want to tell you, you have something to look forward to. And I promise you, 
as a church, we will always have something to look forward to. We are never going to be stagnant. We're never going to be short of vision. We're never going to be short of hope. We're never going to be short of a plan. We will always have something to look forward to because we serve a God of hope. And I believe that we are called to be a house of hope for our community. You see, God, the God of hope, the Bible calls him, wants to fill you with hope today. But the thing is, the devil wants to rob you and plunder you of your hope. And it's not so much your hope that the enemy is after, it's your heart that he's after, because he understands that hope deferred makes your heart sick. He's trying to get your heart sick. He's trying to get you to a place where it's not even about your hope anymore. It's that your heart becomes sick. Your spiritual heart becomes sick. Why is he so always after your heart? Because your heart is the engine room of your life. Just like physically, if you start to have heart problems, it affects every part of your body. It affects your water retention, it affects your sleep, it affects your breathing, it affects your energy levels. Everything about your body physically when your heart is sick is affected. Other organs within your body start to feel the pain and the sacrifice of your heart being sick. And so it is with your spiritual heart. When your spiritual heart gets sick, it affects every other area of your life. How do we know that? Because this great scripture in Proverbs 4.23 that says, Keep your heart with all diligence, because out of it flows all the issues of life, or all the areas of life, or all the things of life flow out of your heart. Some of you have some sick issues in your life, and it's because the enemy's got in and he's caused hope to be deferred, which has made your heart sick. And then the situation that your heart is flowing into, the issues that are coming out of your heart are sick. It's not the person, it's not your parents, it's, not, it's that the enemy is trying to take your hope, and you've got to get your hope back, because when your hope comes back, your heart gets well, and then out of your heart flows the issues of life, and all the hope, and all the faith, and all the belief, and all the love, and all the forgiveness, and all the stuff starts flowing out into all the other areas and issues of your life. Everything in life comes back to the condition of your heart, and there is a battle going on right now in the heavenlies for your hope, but ultimately it's actually for your heart because it's the engine room that drives your life. Proverbs 6.13 says this, this is the hope, the anchor, this hope we have is an anchor for our soul. Hope is an anchor for your soul. What's your soul? It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. If we lose hope, there's no anchor for our emotions, no anchor for our will, and so all of a sudden everything starts going chaotically. Our emotions become like roller coasters because there's nothing anchored to it anymore. Hope is an anchor for my mind and my will and my emotions. That's why he says, I haven't given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Why? Because hope 
in Christ causes you to be in control and not an emotional wreck and not a mind that shoots off in all sorts of directions, fearing all sorts of things and worrying about all sorts of things that you can't control. Hope anchors your soul. You see, my brother, um, when I was younger, I must have been, I don't know, 15, 16 years of age, and he brought his first car. Now, I don't know about you, but everybody can remember the first car they brought. My first car I brought was a 1984 Mitsubishi Mirage two-door hatch with the power economy shifter. It was turbocharged. Oh, I remember those days. Um, Young, carefree. But my brother's first car was a Valiant station wagon. Now, a lot of you younger ones, you've got no idea what a Valiant station wagon is. It's a big tank with a big engine. That's what it comes down to. And and I, I can remember when he brought that car, my brother wanted to pick me up from school every day. He never, ever, ever, ever wanted to pick me up from school. And it only lasted a short period of time while he just wanted to drive his new car all the time. But I can remember once, several occasions, him running out of petrol, because it's one thing to own a car, it's another thing to put petrol in a car, have the money to pay for the petrol. I can remember on several occasions getting very close to the service station, but then him making me push it the rest of the way. And um, I can remember my, my dad saying to him all the time, you need to check your car, you, you, know, you got to do your oil and your water, and I try to educate somebody in my house that has a car that they should check their oil and water, but they seem to th- think that's something you just get the mechanic to do every six months. But anyway, um, and he hadn't really checked his car out properly, and what he had was, a, was an oil leak. He didn't realise he had an oil leak because he had to park the car on the road, and didn't realise he had an oil leak, and then I remember being out one day, and um, the car just died, and he goes, oh, we must be out of gas, and he looked at the gas thing, and, and there's plenty of gas in the car, and what had happened is the oil had drained so much out of the engine that the engine had seized. And now the car that he brought for $2,000 was now worth maybe 100 bucks at the wrecker's yard. And, and this is the thing about our hearts, is that the car wasn't worth anything if the engine didn't work. And the engine part of your life when it is sick makes no part of your life work well. When the engine part of your life, your heart is sick, everything starts to spin out of control because hope has gone. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God, the God of hope, wants to fill you with hope. But because he wants to fill you with hope, Don't be surprised when hope comes under attack because it's the quickest way for the enemy to get your heart sick. And so there's a progress that takes place. You don't just arrive at hope deferred. You just don't get there automatically. There is a process that leads you to hopelessness. First of all, it starts off as deferred hope. It's an unrelenting disappointment. Things just don't seem to go your way. One thing after another. Disappointment is despondency of your expectation. In other words, your expectations aren't being missed. 
uh, I'm being hit, sorry. And so the disappointment starts to kick in, and then it leads to despondency. Despondency is despair, that further effort is hopeless. So you get to this point of there's no point, there's no point in trying anymore. You become despondent, it leads you to despair. Despair makes you desperate because you see all of your hope slipping away. And the problem is when it leads to you being desperate is that desperation prompts you to reckless action because desperate people do desperate things. So often I know in my life it's like, why did I do that? I can't believe I did that. And I can tell you now it's because slowly over time, Hope has diminished out of my life, and I've got to a place of desperation, and desperate people do desperate things that they normally would never, ever do, because desperation pushes you to a place that you don't ever go to normally, but you do it out of this, and it all starts with hope diminishing. Because the heart is sick, the soul is spinning out of control, because hope has been deferred and desperate people do desperate things. And hopelessness is where you get to the point where you begin to expect the inevitability of what you're facing. You resign. You give up. You quit. You just go, you know what? I give up. I give up. I give up. Here's the thing. Hopelessness is the cousin of impossibility. Hopelessness is the cousin of impossibility because when something is impossible, there's no hope that it could ever, ever happen. So let me ask you today, what what part of your life did you start off with great hope, great anticipation, great expectation? but you started to see an unrelenting uh, disappointment which led to a despondency, to despair, to desperation and to a place of hopelessness where you resign yourself and you accept that there's never going to be a change and so you just completely quit because it's impossible and there is no hope. What part of your world right now has got you to that place? Because Luke 1.37 says, with God, nothing is impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. So when we get to the place of hopelessness, it's just an opportunity for God to work because God specializes in impossible situations. God specializes in hopeless situations. Hope deferred is unrelenting disappointment, but Romans 5.5 says, now hope does not disappoint. Hope never disappoints. Hope never, ever, ever disappoints. Hope always uh, gets you where you want to get to. Hope does not disappoint. And, And this This piece in Romans is really all about Abraham who was told by God that he would have a son and he had had no son and he was old in age and his wife Sarah's womb was barren, it had been closed up because of old age and God had told him he was going to have a son. He promised him 
that he was going to have a son, and not just a son, but then from that son that all the nations would be blessed. He'd see as many people uh, come after him in generations to come that were more than the sand on the seashore, that was more than the stars in the sky. This is the promise that he gave him. But he was in a hopeless situation. He, he could have really easily turned around and said, you know what, I'm too old. Sarah's womb doesn't work. This, no, sorry, stop promising me something you can't deliver. But it says in Romans 4.18 that Abraham against all hope, in other words, against all expectation, against all anticipation, against all the expectation, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just had, as it had been said to him, when there was no hope, he believed in hope, he put his faith in hope. He put his faith in the promises. He put his faith in what God had told him. Even when there was no hope in the natural, Abraham had hope in the spiritual. His spiritual heart was not sick. It was whole and it was healthy. His physical body may have been failing. Sarah's physical body may have been failing, but his spiritual hope was fervent. It was alive and against all hope, he hoped and believed and he got the son that God gave him. I believe that the God we serve is a God of hope. And even when things get to the point of hopelessness, like they did with Abraham, we can believe in hope when there is no hope. So when there is no hope in the natural, when there is no hope in this world, when there is no hope, what it looks like in your situation, whether that be uh, uh, sickness in your body, or whether that be buying a house, or whether that be paying off your debt, or whether that be passing university, or whatever it may be, Hope in God always surpasses hope in our circumstances. And you can believe in hope against all hope and see the promises of God come to pass for you. You know, there's an interesting little piece of scripture that I'm going to read you out of Hosea. And it's kind of like, what has this got to really do with what you've been talking about? And it kind of when I read it to you, it's not really going to make sense until I explain it to you. But this is something that God had said to Israel after they had gone through um, into the promised land and all that sort of stuff. And they had their highs and their lows. And, and God's kind of saying, man, I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to restore you. And he, and he says this, he says in Hosea 2, 14 to 15, he says, Therefore, I am now going to allure her. He's talking about Israel. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards, and I'll make the valley of Achor a door of hope. The valley of Achor a door of hope. The word Achor means trouble. And the last time the Israelites were in the valley of Achor, it was just after they had defeated Jericho. Jericho was the biggest army that Israel faced in going into the promised land. And they walked around the city, if you know the story, once for six, all around for six, six days in a row, they walked around the city once. The walls were so thick, they used to race chariots around the outside of the walls. On the seventh day, they walked around it seven times, and on the seventh time, they let out a massive shout. So for six days, they walked around it once, no noise, 
no one talking, no one. And then on the seventh day, they walked around it seven times with no noise, no nothing. And then as they shouted, God tore the walls of Jericho down and they had a massive, massive victory. After Jericho, they went on to face an enemy in a town called Ai. And this was the smallest army that they were going to face. And what happened is they lost heavily in that fight with Ai. And in the story, you find out that there was, God had said, everything that you get when you go into the city of Ai, you are, you are into the city of Jericho, you are to give to me. Don't keep any of it for yourself. But there was this guy called Achan who kept some of it for himself. And so when Israel went and attacked Ai, because Achan had kept some of it for himself, God allowed Ai to defeat Israel. And then God told uh, Joshua that there was sin in the camp. And so they went through by tribe by tribe, family by family, until God spoke to him and said, hey, it's this guy here. And then, then what happened is, because we're talking Old Testament, they got Achan and his whole family, they walked down into the valley of Achor and they stoned them to death. You see, Achor speaks of past, stoning speak of past trouble. They were stoned because of trouble they had brought in the past to the nation of Israel. It was called the valley of trouble because that's where they had trouble. And God says to him, the next time you come through here, this time when you came through here, it was a valley of trouble, but the next time I take you through that valley, it's going to become a door of hope. And so what about you? What part of your life can God visit right now that represents to you a past disappointment, a past trouble, a past place of despair and desperation, whatever it may be? Do you believe that you can revisit that place and it become a door of hope for you rather than a valley of trouble? Maybe the last time you stepped out in that particular area in your life, it was a disaster. Maybe it didn't work out exactly like you had thought or planned, but I believe this, that if you would step out again in faith and hope, and if you would build it right and you would do it the way that God wants you to do it, then what was a place of trouble in the past can become an anchor of hope for your future. God can turn into a gateway of hope the things of our past. He can turn it into a place of hope. Why? Because the world takes us from hope to trouble. It takes us from an expectation to disappointment, but God takes us from trouble to hope. God takes us from a life of disappointment to a place of blessing. God takes us from a, a, a place of, of sin and despondency and despair into a place of love and acceptance and grace and mercy. The world takes us from hope to trouble, but God always takes us from trouble to hope because He's the one that restores. He's the one that transforms. He's the one that takes the foolish things of this world and confounds the wise by doing something amazing. He's the God that does the impossible. He's the God that's not restricted by circumstance or situation, but He's only restricted by what comes out of His mouth. I want to tell you, He can turn things around. He can take your trouble and turn it into a place of blessing. Romans 5, 2 to 4 says this, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. In 
And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. We, we what? We glory in our tribulations. We glory in our troubles. Why? Because they lead to hope. Hope always is the outcome of persevering for a trial, which leads to character, and then character leads to hope. You see, the trouble you're going through is not God trying to destroy you. It's God trying to make you. He can take trouble and turn it to hope. That's what God does. Through tribulations and trouble, God takes us from trouble to hope. And just because you haven't seen hope fulfilled yet doesn't mean that you are in deferred hope heading towards hopelessness. No, no, no. You need to stop yourself in your tracks and go, I'm not leading to hopelessness in this situation. I'm leading to a place of perseverance. And from that place of perseverance, I'm going to get character. And from that place of character, I'm going to get hope. I'm not heading towards a road of hopelessness. I'm not heading towards a road of despair, but of perseverance, of character, and of hope. And if I hold in there, and if I stick in there, and if I let God do the work that He wants to do in me, I'm going to end up in a place of hope, not a valley of trouble, but a doorway of hope. Troubled times take us to a place of hope in God. We've got to see him working the other way. The world wants you to think that God's taking you from this place of hope to this place of despair. But God, no, 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 I always take you from despair to a place of hope. He's building perseverance in you. And I want to tell you this, good old-fashioned perseverance never hurt anyone. Our problem is we want instant gratification. And don't get me wrong, I love instant gratification too. I love miracles. I love the moments where, boom, everything changes. I love it. I love instant everything. Who wants to wait for things? We want miracles. We like miracles because they're quick. But sometimes God is building something in your life. And it's about seeing your dreams come true, not having a moment turn into a miracle. It's about God taking you through perseverance to character, to hope, so that your dreams come true. You see, you can have a moment of miracle but still live in deferred hope. See, a miracle is a moment in a area of your life. Hope transforms every area of your life because a heart filled with hope flows into every issue of your life. Miracles may change a moment, but hope will change your world. So what do we need to do in this season? What what are some of the key things that we could do as we come to a close, that we could do to keep hope alive, to avoid hopelessness. The first thing that you need to do is, your, is focus on your focus. Where's your focus? You see, hope is always centered on someone or something. People every week in our world go out and buy lotto tickets with the hope that that something Lotto is going to fix all of their problems. We put hope into people. We put hope into things. You know, if, if, we, if we have a, an argument with one of our kids and they, 
they, they storm out of the house and they take off, we hope that they will come back. Our hope is in them that they will return. But if we pray that God would bring them back home or that God would bless us financially, that God would enable us to do the things that we have. If we, if we pray to God, then we're putting our hope in Him, not in a person or in something. And whatever you put your hope in will either lead you to a place of blessing or lead you to a place of trouble. Whatever you put your hope in will lead you to a place of either deferred hope or dreams come true. And I want to tell you, time and time again, when you put your hope into people or something, it always leads to a place of deferred hope, of disappointment, and of despondency. Why? Because people can't do for you what only God can do. The only hope that you should have is in God. Don't put your hope in your husband or your wife that you have a great marriage. Put your hope in God that you have a great marriage. Because when you put your hope in Him, He is unchanging. He is all things. He is above and not belief. He is the Alpha, the Omega. He is everything. And so when we put our hope in Him, then, then it's on something that is anchored. And when our hope is anchored, then our soul is well. And when our soul is well, our marriage will be well, our family will be well, our career will be well, our finances will be well. But when you put your hope in the bank, approving alone, but you're not putting it in Him blessing you, friend, then you're going to be disappointed because people will let you down, but He never will. We've got to anchor ourselves to Him. Even this season that we're currently in, don't anchor your hope to whatever the government is planning to do. Put your hope in Him, the one who's in control of everything, the sovereign one, the one who has a plan when it seems like there is no plan, the one who's always working even when it seems like He's not working, the one who turns all things together for good for those who love God and accord according to His purpose. That one is who we want to have our hope in. And he's the one that we want our friends and our family to have their hope in. Proverbs says this in chapter 24, verse 14. It says, so shall the knowledge of wisdom be to your soul. If you have found it, there is a prospect and your hope will not be cut off. The scripture here is talking about godly wisdom. That if we seek God, if we seek His wisdom, there is a prospect or an opportunity, if you want to put it that way, that your dreams will come true because hope becomes its foundation. Because hope can't be cut off from God and godly wisdom. Hope is the foundation of everything. Focus your hope on God and godly wisdom because that kind of hope is the hope that makes dreams come alive. The second thing that we've got to do is get your surrounds right. Get your focus right and then get your surrounds right. What you surround yourself with. What, what are you listening to all the time? Here's, here's, here's a clue for some of you. Delete your social media. If it is driving you nuts, if it is controlling your emotions, if you're happy one moment but you're sad the next because of something you read, then just delete your social media. Don't watch the news. Don't read the paper. Do yourself a favor. If you can't handle it, don't do it. Cut off that thing. Don't let it surround you. What are you surrounding yourself? Are you surrounding yourself with worship 
or you're surrounding yourself with just with um not Justin Bieber because he has some good stuff now. He has some God stuff every now and then because he's on a journey. Um, what, what's uh, Lady Gaga or are you surrounding yourself with worship? What are you surrounding yourself with? Are you making sure that you're tuning in on a Sunday to surround yourself with worship and the Word of God? Or are you surrounding yourself with things that aren't something that you can put your hope in? You see, the last thing our world needs is a church full of sick hearts. The last thing our world needs right now is a church full of sick hearts. The church is the hope of the world. Get yourself in surrounds where there is faith and hope and Christ is talked about and preached about and talked about in a positive way and not a negative way. Uh, you know, I don't know about you, but I want Revive to be the kind of place when you're watching online or when we finally come back together again, that by the end of the service, by the end of our time together, you, you walk with your head a little bit higher, you walk with your heart a little bit stronger, you walk out better than you walked in. We want to be a place where hope is constantly preached because God is a God of hope. And so you need to get yourself online watching, get yourself back into church when we return, get yourself into a connect group, do whatever it is that you need to do to make sure that your surroundings are actually building you and not depleting you. Get your focus right, get your surroundings right, and as Zoe comes and jumps on the keys, get your faith right. Get your focus right, get your surroundings right, and get your faith right. Why do we have to get our faith right? Because faith and hope are partners. Faith and hope go together. The Bible says this, is that there are these three things, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Those three things go together. Faith and hope are partners. You can't have faith without hope. You can't have faith without hope. You can only be a person of faith if you're a person of hope. What, why do you say that? Because Hebrews says this, that faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith gets substance on the things we hope for. If there's nothing that we're hoping for, faith has nothing to attach itself to. So faith just floats around because it's got nothing to attach itself to. Faith without hope goes nowhere. Faith brings to life the things that you're hoping for. It's hope that starts it. Faith just brings it to pass. But without hope, there's nothing for faith to work with. So when we get to a place of hopelessness, faith has nothing to work with. And the same for hope, because hope needs faith, because if hope doesn't have faith, it's just going to end up in disappointment. Because hope can't bring hope to pass. Faith brings hope to pass. Faith is the substance of things we hope for. The Bible says that all the promises of God are yes and amen. And faith takes God at His word. 
In fact, I would suggest to you where it says there about perseverance and character and hope. I think there's a great scripture in James where it talks about when patience has had its perfect work. Without patience, without a perseverance, faith will always diminish. Because patience and perseverance acts like a protection dome over faith. Because without that perseverance, without that patience, faith will diminish because it's not, nothing seems to be happening. But when we put perseverance in place and patience in place and character in place, which leads to hope, it keeps the faith bubbling away and alive because it's been protected. To take that yes, the Bible says, the promises are yes and amen, and you take that yes, and you take that amen in the promises of God, and that's what faith and hope builds on. It grabs hold of that. Hebrews 6.11 says this, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you not, do not become sluggish, you do not become complacent, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. You see, patience is not deferred hope. Patience is not unrelenting disappointment. Patience is perseverance. And perseverance is the building of character. And the building of character builds hope. And then faith jumps on the hope and dreams come true. But patience has got to have its perfect work. If you can do that, if you can persevere, if you can let your character build so that hope builds, so that faith has something to attach itself to, if you can do that, it promises that you will inherit all the promises of God. But it requires hope. I believe God's promises for your life can come to pass if we don't get sluggish if we don't get despondent, if we don't get despair, if we don't quit, but we imitate Abraham, who against all hope believed in hope, and then your dreams will come true. And with that kind of spirit on the inside of us, I believe God can do for you just like He did for Israel, and He can turn your valleys of trouble into doorways of hope. He can turn your valleys of trouble into doorways. He can turn a valley of trouble that you're currently going through right now into a doorway of hope, into a place where you can see God doing something for you, where you can see God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. If you're not dead, then He's not done. Come on, friend, we've got to stir this up on the inside of us. Don't let the world or the situations or the circumstances around you Make your heart sick because out of it flows all the issues of life. We're going to get hope back in our hearts so that every area of our lives, our marriage, our finances, our kids, our careers, our community, our church, our nation, our world is filled with hope because then when it's filled with hope, faith attaches itself and then all of a sudden things start to shift and things start to change and what were valleys of trouble become doorways of hope because God always takes us from trouble to hope. You don't need to live in a valley of trouble when it can become a doorway of hope. And you don't need to live in a place of despair because God wants to take you to a place of hope. 
Don't let the enemy take your hope. He wants your heart to be sick. Get yourself anchored into the Word of God. Get yourself anchored into His promises. Declare them over your life again and again and again and again. And don't quit. Don't stop. Persevere. Have patience. It'll build your character. Character will build your hope. Hope latches onto faith and dreams. Start coming to pass. Let me pray for you this morning. If you're